Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. And you can find out more and give them a call at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boo Moot Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. And my wife, Linda, will be tuning in as well. We'll be talking about some of the uh, current global events. It is March the 15th, and on this day in 44 B.C., Julius Caesar, dictator of Rome, was stabbed to death in a Roman Senate house by 60 conspirators led by Marcus Junius Brutus and Gainus Cassius Longinus. Longinus. On March the 15th, the day later, uh, became fame infamous as the Ides of March. Caesar, born into the Juli family, an ancient but not particularly distinguished Roman aristocratic family uh, began his political career in 78 B.C. as a prosecutor for the anti-patrician popular party. He won influence in the party for his reformist ideas and oratorical skills and aided Roman imperial efforts by raising a private army to combat King of Pontus in 674 B.C. He was an ally of Pompey the recognized head of the popular party, and essentially took over the position after Pompey left Rome in 67 B.C. to become commander of the Roman forces in the east. In 63 B.C., Caesar was elected Pontifex Maximus, or high priest, allegedly by heavy bribes. Two years later, he was made governor of Farther Spain, and in 60 B.C. returned to Rome, ambitious for the office of consul. The consulship, essentially the highest office in the Roman Republic, was shared by two politicians on an annual basis. Consuls commanded the army, presided over the Senate, and executed its decrees, and represented the state in foreign affairs. Caesar formed a political alliance, the so-called First Triumvirate, with Pompey and Marcus Licinius Crassus, the wealthiest man in Rome, and in 59 B.C. was elected consul. Although generally opposed by the majority of the Roman Senate, Caesar's land reforms won in popularity with many Romans. In 58 B.C., Caesar was given four Roman legions in Cisalpine uh, Gaul in early come, and uh, during the next decade re- demonstrated brilliant military talents as he expanded the Roman Empire and his reputation. Although other achievements... Among other achievements, Caesar conquered all of Gaul, made the first Roman inroads into Britain, and won devoted supporters in his legions. However, his successes were also aroused Pompey's jealousy, leading to a collapse of their political alliance in 53 BC. The Roman Senate supported Pompey and asked Caesar to give up his army, which he refused to do. In January 49 B.C., Caesar led his legions across the Rubicon River from uh, Cisalpine Gaul to Italy, thus declaring war against Pompey and his forces. Caesar made early gains in the subsequent war, defeating Pompey's army in Italy and Spain, but was later forced into retreat in Greece. In August 48 B.C., when Pompey in pursuit, Caesar paused near Pharsalus, Setting up camp at a strategic location, when Pompey's senatorial forces fell upon Caesar's smaller army, they were entirely routed. 
and Pompey fled to Egypt where he was assassinated by an officer of the Egyptian king. Caesar was subsequently appointed Roman consul and dictator, but before settling in Rome, he traveled around the empire for several years and consolidated his rule. In 45 BC, he returned to Rome and was made dictator for life. As sole Roman ruler, Caesar launched ambitious programs of reform within the empire. The most lasting of these was the establishment of the Julian calendar, which, with the exception of a slight modification adjustment in the 16th century, remains in use today. He also planned new imperial expansions in Central Europe and to the East. In the midst of these uh, vast designs, he was assassinated on this date in 44 BC by a group of conspirators who believed that his death would lead to restoration of the Roman Republic. However, the result of the Ides of March was to plunge Rome into a fresh round of civil wars, out of which Octavian, Caesar's grand-nephew, would emerge as Augustus, the first Roman emperor, destroying the Republic forever. Certainly a noble cause, wasn't it, to uh, reestablish the Republic? But, uh, as usual... <laughs> what the best laid plans of mice and men, huh? Un unfortunate indeed. Uh, and uh, again, Caesar assassinated on this day, the Ides of March. Well, the Russian offensive in Ukraine edged closer to central Kiev on Tuesday, even as the two countries kept open narrow diplomatic channels with more planned talks. Shortly before dawn, large explosions thundered across Kiev. A series of Russian strikes hit a residential neighborhood in the capital, igniting a huge fire and frantic rescue in an effort to, in a 15-story apartment building. At least one person was killed and others remained trapped inside. Shockwaves from their explosion also damaged the uh, entry to a downtown subway station that had been used as a bomb shelter. City authorities tweeted an image of the blown-out facade saying trains would no longer stop at the station. When Russia launched the war nearly three weeks ago, fear of an imminent invasion gripped the Ukrainian capital as residents slept after uh, night in subway stations or crammed into trains to flee. <clears throat> but as the Russian offensive bogged down, Kiev saw a relatively relative lull. Fighting has intensified on the outskirts in recent days and sporadic air raid sirens ring out around the capital. There was a rare glimmer of hope in encircled port of uh, city of Maripol after a convey of 160 civilian cars left a designated humanitarian route, the city uh, uh, council reported. Over the past 10 days or so, the lethal, lethal siege has pulverized homes and other buildings and left people desperate for food, water, heat, and medicine. The latest negotiations between the Russian and Ukraine held by video Monday were the fourth round involving higher-level officials from the two countries in the first in a week. The talks ended without a breakthrough after several hours, with an aide of the Ukrainian president saying that the negotiations took a technical pause and planned to meet again today. The two sides had expressed some optimism of the past few days. An aide to Zelensky uh, tweeted that the negotiations would discuss peace, ceasefire, immediate withdrawal of troops, and security guarantees. Previous discussions held and uh, person in Belarus produced no lasting humanitarian routes or agreements to end the fighting. So uh, more destruction going on. People are sleeping in the cold. <clears throat> no heat, no electricity. It's tragic what's going on. Hopefully they can reach some sort of a peace agreement today. In another part of the world, China is facing its worst outbreak of COVID-19 in two years as the country reports more than 2,000 new cases daily. 
That's not many in a population of over a billion people, but China is one of the last countries to hold on to a zero-tolerance COVID-19 policy. Lots of mass, t- mass testing, mandatory quarantines and lockdowns. But Omicron seems to have weaseled its way back in and left many wondering if the policy is still sustainable. Now the government is telling millions of people to go into lockdown. Hospitals are swamped. And for the first time in two years, it looks like a lot of, uh, like March in 2020. Uh, there's a, uh, sh- Residents in a couple of provinces are staying home, forcing major factories to shut down. It's going to impact uh, tech products and cars. It has the potential to disrupt supply chains more than they already are. In fact, the markets in <clears throat> China have been creamed, have plunged, and uh, it's creating a lot of disruption. It's going to spread all over the world, quite frankly, if they don't get this uh, resolved soon. Right now, our futures, unbelievably, are up, uh, although starting off at about 140 down when I first turned on. Uh, the news, it's they're now uh, up slightly, which would be uh, kind of unusual this time, wouldn't it? Well, there's something very odd going on in Fort Bragg, so incredibly odd that an investigative reporter and the contributing editor of Rolling Stone magazine wants to know what the heck is going on. Seth Harp is the name of the reporter, and he's been following disturbing stories out of North Carolina involving a lot of servicemen who've been turning up dead in their bunks at Fort Bragg. Here's what Seth said in a tweet from February the 9th, 2022. 83 soldiers died at Fort Bragg in the 18 months ending June 2021. Only 11 of those deaths were from natural causes. Fort Bragg hasn't announced any fatalities since then. They're still happening, but the base has gone dark. Hmm. Back in January 2022, Seth wrote about this for Rolling Stone. In that piece, he discussed the many mysterious deaths occurring in Fort Bragg. He writes, meanwhile, Fort Bragg soldiers have been turning up unresponsive in their barracks on a disturbingly regular basis since the beginning of 2020. Drugs may have been involved in few cases who were found dead on the same day in June 2021, just two weeks after an airborne master sergeant named Martin Acevedo was charged with trafficking cocaine. Otherwise, there's been absolutely no explanation from the Army as to how these apparently healthy young men died. Likewise, in January 2021, an Army captain named Robert Latham died from an apparent heart attack despite being 32 years old and seemingly in excellent physical condition. In October, a highly trained Green Beret, an intelligence sergeant named Calvert Rockward, died from a sudden unexpected medical event, though he was only 38 and even in better shape to go to his Instagram photos. In total, a staggering 83 active-duty soldiers stationed at Fort Bragg died in the 18 months ending June 2021, according to data obtained by Rolling Stone. Only 11 of those deaths were from natural causes. Many, perhaps a plurality, were suicides. But in no fewer than 33 cases, the Army has classified the cause of death as undetermined. In other words, the Army can't or won't say how the whole platoon's worth of soldiers died in the largest installation, home of the Special Forces, the Airborne Corps, and the uh, Joint Special Operations Command. Over the same 18-month period, just three Fort Bragg soldiers died in overseas combat, meaning that the elite troops are in a dizzying 20 times more likely to die stateside than in a war zone such as Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. And just yesterday, there was a tweet from Seth, nine more soldiers, all in their 20s and 30s, found unresponsive in their bunks. 
incredibly scary and bizarre. <clears throat> so what could this mean? Well, we're you know considering, shouldn't we also be thinking about the possibility that the vaccine has uh, created this problem? After all, the military started officially injecting soldiers back in December 2022. Uh, there's a report of that on uh, December 14th, 2020, the military health system began administering the first COVID shots. A year later, the MHS has distributed more than 6.4 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine and reported 90.1% active duty service members, members are fully vaccinated. It's encouraging to see that the investigative report is actually curious about these deaths, but let's see if it actually works out to uncover what's really going on or just provide cover for the government. Uh, no matter what the cause, something very terrible is happening and it's killing a lot of healthy young people. And we need to find out exactly what's going on at Fort Bragg. And also, is this happening at other military bases? These are just questions right now. There's no absolute answers, but uh, we deserve an explanation, don't we? And, of course, this aligns with a lot of information we're hearing from insurance companies with uh, young people dying for no reason at all. Makes me wonder, perhaps, if we're not covering up what's going on with the vaccines. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Uh, the uh, the uh, session is over, finally, the legislative session. It ended yesterday. I know you had about a six-and-a-half, seven-hour drive back from Tallahassee. You've got to be really pooped. <laughs> well, it's worth it just to get home. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So uh, what was the delay? Why It was supposed to end on Friday. Well, the the way it works is uh, once the budget has been finalized and approved, not not voted on, but approved, there's a 72-hour cooling off period before we can actually vote on it. Um, and and so the budget, there were a lot of final details that needed to be done that took us into last week, and then the 72 hours had us voting on Monday. So um, many of us went home for the weekend after we had done all our work and came back and just voted on uh, Monday for the budget and did the uh, end of session signy guy. And that, uh, so we're done. <laughs> Congratulations to you. So uh, uh, just in taking a step back after uh, this session, was it successful? Did you accomplish what you wanted? It was a, a it was a good session. We did a lot. First of all, with regard to the budget, uh, thanks to the federal stimulus dollars, we we have a 112 billion dollar budget, um, up about almost almost 11,000 billion. I mean, 11 billion uh, from last year, um, which is great. But again, next year we're going to have to be a little more careful. So we did a lot of. Uh, projects that are non-recurring, a lot of infrastructure projects, um, things like uh, septic sewer, uh, roadways, that kind of thing. Uh, So from that perspective, it was very successful. We passed some important legislation, um, probably the most contentious, although we had a number of contentious bills, was the um, uh, 15-week abortion ban, and uh, that, that, that I think was had the most heart-wrenching kind of conversations, but it was important that we did that. And then we had uh, a lot dealing with educational issues. You know, a lot of the misunderstood and mischaracterized bills that we passed that were, um, you know, important. I think, as the governor said during the uh, press conference after the um, after we, you know, concluded, he talked about this being the year of the parents and and, and the children. And I think he's right. So 
um, from that perspective, I think it's very, very successful. Yeah, I mean, the, the uh, it's just a shame. I'd be calling this bill the Don't Say Gay Bill. It has nothing to do with saying gay or anything else that I had to do with it, which to, to me makes total sense that uh, teachers, administrators, public school officials should not have any uh, say and should not be trying to influence kids, teach kids, whatever, uh, up to, I'm guessing, age seven or so about uh, their sexuality. It just makes, you know, kids, that's the last thing on their minds. I think that's, that's absolutely uh, right. And it became, it became very contentious and... Um, People who, who who never read the bill or even read uh, a valid uh, analysis or, analysis or summary of it were making um, really wild statements about about the bill and uh, you know coming up to the Capitol and, and protesting. I think my office protested here in town. And and uh, if you actually look at the bill, it doesn't prohibit discussion. What it prohibits is actual curriculum and instructional changing services for uh, children based without letting their parents know. So if you, you know, particularly kindergarten through third grade, because kids really don't know that young um, who they are. Right. And for them, so one of my colleagues said, half and Jeff, if a kid comes into the teacher and says, I want to be a dinosaur, the teacher doesn't help him be a dinosaur. Right. Um, so, you know, a kid comes in and says, ah, I'd like to be a boy, I'd like to be a girl, or whatever the opposite sex is. It's not the teacher's job to do anything about that. I mean, um, one of my friends said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, she said, I wanted to be a boy because it was easier to, to, you know, just wear jeans and a T-shirt than having to get dressed up or whatever. So some of these things are... Are, are are so innocent, and then if a if a a teacher or the classroom starts turning into something that's more yeah. than, more than that, it's just not right. Yeah, and it, uh, I I read the story of <clears throat> I read that uh, two young girls, age twelve, both had mastectomies, double mastectomies. Uh, you know, so this is the logical extension of what can happen when this start starts this stuff starts to. Uh, infest the school systems right now. So uh, again, I think just protecting parental rights as you've done in the state legislature right. signed by the governor is just a great thing. It's, it's, it's actually imperative. Um, so the, you know, those are the kind of things. I think you know the, the session will shake out and um, things will settle down and people will realize that, it, that the legislation we passed was not um, as draconian as people are saying, uh, uh, and the other thing is we we did a lot for for um, you know we, we did a, a huge revamp of Medicaid that was important. We did a lot for the children in the foster care system, child welfare. Um, you know, when you look at some of we passed about 200, 210 or so bills, and most of them dealt with issues that are important to our, our, our residents. We've got a gas tax holiday coming up this fall. Um, you know, the things that affect everybody's everyday life. Uh, well, well done. Congratulations on a successful side. I can't help but mention that, of course, uh, not only did Florida receive an abundance of cornucopia of cash coming in from the federal government, but other states did as well. 
and all either reducing their deadness probably in blue states or using it to for infrastructure here in florida which is all good i would only point out though the the uh, inflation that's occurred as a result of expanding the money supply here is we're paying for it one way or the other right now, that's I, true the, the good part is that Florida used it for things. I mean, if you didn't use it, we weren't going to. It was going to go back. So, uh, since we're a donor state, we might as well take it. But we used it for things that were, you know, as I said, non-recurring, one-shot deals, infrastructure type of things, uh, security things, important things. Some states used it to backfill their budget, which is a mistake. You know, you don't take non-recurring dollars and and uh, pay salaries of people. So. Uh, you know, there'll be a reckoning there. At Ab- some point. Absolutely. Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator. I'm so grateful that you took time with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. All right, coming up, Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board and, among other things, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. 
Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. It's always wonderful to be down in uh, Paradise, down in Candyland. And I know that you are particularly happy because baseball is starting they reached an agreement, and on top of that, we have March Madness. Yeah, no, it's 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 really a joy. I, I'm so grateful. Apparently, they're going to play all 162 games, even though they're starting the season a week, eight days or so, nine days later than they planned. That means lots of doubleheaders and a lot of fatigue during the course of the season for the ball players. But uh, it's pretty darn exciting. I really miss baseball. And uh, spring training games are starting as we speak. And uh, what's also fun to watch is all the trades that are going on and all the signings of free agents. People, uh, the teams are starting to uh, get themselves aligned and plan for the uh, for the upcoming challenge. It's so interesting. You're just in hog heaven. I can just tell by your voice <laughs> that you're just so happy. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. Dance. Yeah, I am. I'm pretty happy and. Uh, I'm a Red Sox fan, I have to admit. Lived in Boston for uh, eight years, and you can't help but become an avid uh, Boston fan, no matter what the sport, because uh, <laughs> it can be pretty dangerous if you're not <laughs> in Boston. But also, well, and then who's your team for March Madness? Well, you know, uh, it's so interesting. Uh, Coach Chachevsky uh, retired and went through this retirement ceremony, and they lost a game to. Uh, Virginia Tech, and they've lost their last couple of games. Uh, they're ranked number two in the West. So uh, I like Duke. I'd like to see Chesevsky go out on top, but uh, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, they're they're struggling a little bit. So I don't know. I, frankly, uh, uh, there's some awfully good teams out there. March Madness is a lot of fun to watch. It is. And Wisconsin's out, so my enthusiasm for all of that has waned. Aw, well, it's but it's it, interesting. Lauren loves basketball. Oh, he does. He loves college basketball. Yeah, he does not like pro basketball. Understood, and uh, he's not alone. A lot of people feel exactly the same way. Uh, but uh, uh, March Madness is always interesting. I don't know if you recall. Has it been a decade ago? Probably not that long ago. That the FGCU from the Sun Coast uh, Conference, which is kind of not, not a, a major conference. Uh, ended up making it to the NCAA because they uh, were at, won the conference, and there's an automatic qualification as a result. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they ended up going to the uh, to the uh, sixteen top sixteen teams. They just did absolutely fantastic. The coach ended up as a uh, as the coach of the uh, Southern Southern Cal uh, USC. Uh, as a result of his performance. And you know what happened at, at uh, FGCU? Enrollment went up. All of a sudden, they started getting more applications to the school than they had positions. Uh, that, that means, of course, that the uh, the choice of students gets even better. So lots of good things happen when your team wins. That's cool. Isn't yeah, that, yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, on a little <laughs> bit different note, you know, you read the newspaper or you, you try not to read the newspaper or you listen to the news and watch it whatever. It's so horrifying right now. But, you know, the, the Pew Research Center did uh, a survey as to why Americans think terrible experiences are just an inevitable part of life. Hmm. 
So they did a poll. I think they pulled 6,000 people, 6,500 people. Wow. And they said, in your words, why do you think terrible things happen to people through no apparent fault of their own? And the majority of people said, you know what? Life happens. Serendipity. Yeah, it's just a year. 38% said serendipity. Uh, 13% said it's God's will, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 8% said it's because you're evil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you deserve it. And then uh, another 8% said free will, karma. And uh, it's just, it's just, there it is. I mean, it's just uh, growth appreciation for uh, the bad things that happen and then you it enables you to appreciate what you have and to grow forward. But basically people just think, you know what? Life happens. There's no bigger plan. So, uh, Boo, uh, with, with all that said, what do you believe? Life happens. Yeah, life happens. I actually had a, 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 a professor in graduate school, who said that uh, he was a psychiatrist, and he said that we bring everything on ourselves. In other words, anything that happens, a potted plant, I remember asking this question in class, if a potted plant falls off a building and falls on your head, did you make that happen? He says, yes, you brought it on yourself. Well, that means that that means basically as as a medical professional, he's saying that everything is psychosomatic. Everything that happens, including anything in your health, your physical health, or your physical being, is a result of how you think. Huh. Isn't that interesting? How do you feel about that? Well, I, I think, think that's, that's dead wrong. <laughs> I think that's wrong. Look what's happening yeah. in Ukraine right now. Uh, uh, it's just so it's so sad to think these people are hovered right now in this freezing cold, no food. No heat, no electricity, the threat of bombs, everything going on around them. 1.52 million people are, are, are uh, refugees leaving the country. What a sad state of affairs. It's terrible. That falls into the evil category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sinful nature, evil. Uh, you know, I, it's interesting in that, you know, you read the paper, you read kind of the progression of all of these events. And I think Americans in the beginning were like, yeah, let's, you know, let's do the sanctions. You know, they understood that they didn't want to poke the tiger. Yeah. But now you're hearing people say, why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we going after them? Why isn't NATO joining in? It's interesting. It seems like the general consensus is to uh, do more now in terms of military might. Yeah, and frankly, I think when we get into sloganeering and we get into simplifying everything as black, you know, the white hat and the black hat, I think that's flawed thinking. Jumping to conclusions, it's uh, it's unfortunate that happens. Linda and I watched a, a documentary yesterday, which is really outstanding. It's called uh, uh, Ukraine on Fire. It's an Oliver Stone documentary. And it goes back oh, to the my. year 2000. What it does is it gives a lot of the background of the violence and the things that have occurred in Ukraine uh, for the last 20 years. Very instructive in terms of kind of laying the groundwork and understanding what's current, currently going on right now. It's just not as simple as people want to make it out. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, but does it, is it, does it justify Russia's response? 
Uh, it, it, it helps you understand Russia's response. And, uh, you know, with regard to Ukraine, not everything that goes on in Ukraine is good. I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, you hear about the Nazis that are in Ukraine. Well, there are. There have been a lot of leaders. Doesn't necessarily mean it's majority of the people, but leaders in parts of the country that are, that want to see Jews dead, that want to, see, you know, they want an Aryan race. I mean, that really is, ha that really has happened in, uh, in Ukraine. So, uh, People shouldn't dismiss that out of hand. And how about the bio labs that exist in Ukraine? That's real. And of course, yeah. uh, Mitt Romney wants to uh, wants to uh, call people traitors who actually believe this. But you know, the State Department said it. I mean, uh, in, in, uh, Victoria Newland, who's the Under Secretary of State, said it. Said that there's bio labs, unprotected bio labs in uh, Ukraine. So. It's a well, lot more than than meets the eye. Yeah, it usually does, you know, and it's a lot more complicated. And the American people probably only know the tip of the iceberg. Yep, and but the the, but the sad thing is they we're, get. They, we're, we may not know everything, but we sure fire our mouth off and give lots of advice. Yes, we do, and we and you know what? There's a narrative that sets in place, and you know, good guy, bad guy, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we buy it hook, line, and sinker. So, we need to be more thoughtful as a consequence. Boo! I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president uh, of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. 
Find out more by visiting OptumEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptumaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Terrific performances, and you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Influence the government, and we're a waning population. Yeah, indeed, I mean, it's it's an aspiration, but uh, <laughs> it's slowly <laughs> yeah. slipping away from us, isn't it? Un- unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, yes. So you wrote a column, really interesting. The avalanches of DC money are all problems, not solutions. What an interesting take on what's happening. Tell us about it. Well, you know, the the unspoken <laughs> assumption that never gets critic that never gets analyzed in DC is, well. Should the government do it, or should the private sector do it, and then how do we pay for it, and all that? And never are the results of the past spending sprees analyzed. They never look at the history of government failure at everything and factor that into the next proposed government action. And, you know, we see this over and over and over again. You know, when, whenever the government wants to raise taxes, the unspoken assumption is every penny they're collecting is being spent wisely and well. <laughs> By whom? Nobody that's, assumes that, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's the uns- I mean, that's what it's saying, right? You yeah. Know, we're doing everything right. We just need more money. Right. And as we saw, you know, I didn't even get into all the COVID money that they can't find. They don't know where it is. It's hundreds of billions of dollars just missing. Um, the states now all have surpluses. Because they got so much money, they don't know what to do with it from the federal COVID dumps. And, you know, people, you know, one person signing up for 22 uh, checks. And, you know, it's just, and there's never any, the government can't provide oversight. It's impossible. And here's right. why it's the wallet rule. You and I discussed this. You're right. It's my wallet rule. If Bob goes out on a Friday night with his wallet, and then he goes out the following Friday night with my wallet, which Friday night is he going to have more well, fun? Well, I'm going to have more fun on your wallet, Seton. You don't care what my wallet looks like at the end of the evening. Well, the government's always on someone else's wallet, and the Friday night never ends. Right. And so they spend money, and they don't do it smart. They spend money, and they don't do it prudently. They don't do – they don't – they just – it's helicopter money. They just go up in a helicopter. Hold on. I've got to close to this thing. Um you hit pause and it doesn't stay paused. Um, so, so they just perish. You know, they just helicopter this money out, and no analysis of where it's going. There, there were quotes during the COVID money where they're like, some people in the government were actually trying to be somewhat prudent and say, well, shouldn't we set up some systems to track? No, we just got to get it out the door. We have to get it out the door right now. Yeah. And it was it was the monetary version of the panic. That they wanted in every direction from COVID, right? Yeah. Panic, throw money at it. Panic, throw money out the window. Um, And they never, you know, and and now here we are again, um, a $1.5 trillion spending package 
with a 6.7% average increase for, per department. Which, really? But, <laughs> it's just unbelievable, Seton. And Every department wasn't doing enough yesterday. They need 6.7% more tomorrow. No, and you know, it, it, the people that are making the decisions on how to use the money basically orchestrated the withdrawal from Afghanistan, if you can imagine well, that. The government's <laughs> incompetent. They're, I wrote a piece years ago, those who can do, those who can't regulate those who can. Yeah. <laughs> and and th these people are incompetent. Look, the, the people who are attracted to a bureaucratic job are not the best and brightest. As, as Donald Trump said during his announcement speech, they're not sending their best. Right. Um, anyone who wants so much job security, meaning that, that more people die in the federal job than, than re get fired from it, if you want that much job security, you're not planning on you know, being a very helpful employee. No. Um, if you want the gigantic pay and gigantic benefits of government with no culpability and no accountability, as Thomas Sowell said, the stupidest system in the world is one to set up where the people who make decisions pay no, ram pay pay no consequences for bad decisions. Right. And that's what we've done. And, you know, uh, we're now in the process. This, comes back, this goes back to the infrastructure bill, which, by the way, we keep, they keep lamenting the death of Build Back Better. There was two or three times more green green money in the infrastructure bill than there was infrastructure money, sure. by the way. Yeah. And I'd also like to ask people, where the hell have our federal and state gas taxes been going? Well, they certainly aren't going to pay for the, uh, they, for the roads. Why do they need to spend tr a trillion dollars on infrastructure if they've been collecting taxes from us forever? Right. And are now talking about temporarily suspending the taxes because they can't get their inflation under control and they won't let us drill. Yeah. Um, you know, where'd all that money go? So then they spend all this money on infrastructure. They're spending $65 billion on Internet connections. Well, they've already tried this for 20-plus years. They, the government is awful at this. They're right. terrible at this. When they're not building government competitors to the private sector, which means – the pitcher, the, the umpire of the baseball game is also pitching for the other team. Right. I mean, you've got, you've got an internet provider out in, the, out in the sticks, out in the rural areas, getting taxed and regulated by the government, and now they have to compete against the government broadband company. Uh, well, that's not fair. I mean, when it comes to poll attachment rates and all that, who's the government going to charge more, the private company or government? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean... It's just, it's absurd. And, and there's, they, they never work. They never work. There's a website, uh, broadbandboondoggles.com, I think is the domain name. If you just look up Broadband Boondoggles, it's an interactive map of all the different localities and municipalities and, and co-ops, the government co-ops, that have been set up over the decades to try to be a broadband provider. And it's an abysmal failure. No, no question. And now you've got... Biden and, and company parachuting in with more money. Biden wants to favor the government broadband providers in, in, with this money. Now you've got senators like Ed Markey from Massachusetts who wants to jam up any recipient of this money with net neutrality regulations and other regulations. Uh, again, I'd like to remind the legislator, Ed Markey, no one's ever passed a law with the words net neutrality in it. So how about you pass a law that says this before you have unelected bureaucrats jam it through connected to unconstitutional money 
you guys have parachuted, you know, helicoptered uh, out of the out of DC. No it's question. And uh, no question. Seat Miley again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you. It's this great column, and I encourage you. He's writing, by the way, on Substack, but I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden. She's not only my lovely wife, she's also very knowledgeable does a lot of stuff on social media about what's happening around the world. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout out to Lulu Bee's Diner, one of our advertisers. They've uh, gone through renovation now in the Green Tree Shopping Center, and they have just really great outdoor dining. So I encourage you to go to Lulu Bee's Diner and enjoy their great menu for breakfast or lunch. You really enjoy it. So uh, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She is my wife. She's also the author of Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So what's top of mind for you today? You know what? There's so much going on that it's it's just 24-7. First of all, I'm very happy to report that I finally got on Donald Trump's uh, new uh, 
social media platform, Truth Social. Yeah, you're going to have to show me how to do that. That's uh, I'm, I'm wanting to do that, but I've, I tried, and uh, it's not easy. Well, yeah, that's you've got other issues going on there. So you know. <laughs> You're right about that. Uh, so that's good. So um, just jumping between social media sites, there's so much going on. But top of mind, you know what's so weird? Fox News is being very strange about this coverage of the of this Ukraine war. They <laughs> they reported yesterday afternoon that one of their uh, correspondents, Benjamin Hall, was severely injured, and there has not been one peep about him since. Not of how's he doing, what's happened, on anywhere. It's very weird. Hmm. Um, the other thing is that we watched Tucker Carlson last night, and you know we a lot of people have seen this uh, this craziness by Mitt Romney going on uh, other other networks on Sunday saying that anybody talks about these bio labs is is um, is tr- being treasonous which like Tucker Carlson pointed out is a, is a death sentence I mean if you're found guilty of treason you know what no soup for you you're out of here yeah right and um, so so Tucker was was saying last night well they've admitted that the bio labs exist but now if you talk about them, it's treason. Well, here's, here's what's going on right now. What I really, uh, what's most scary about this is not the fact that there's this disagreement about biolabs. You know, that can happen. What is really concerning is this is just another step in the whole notion of, uh, of uh, censoring speech, of not allowing people to say what they believe and think. I mean, the, the, the uh, Department of Homeland Security has decided that uh, there's a new form of extremism uh, f- for people who, for example, promote the idea that the election wasn't fair in 2020 or the fact that uh, we've had misinformation on COVID-19. They're saying that, in fact, these people are extremists and they are domestic terrorists. Well, you know what? It, it's just it's just so blatantly hypocritical by these people. They think that if you cover it up, It'll go away. Well, but here's the thing: is it's it, it, the way they're tr- attempting to do that is by is fear. by censoring and and fear fear right and by uh, uh, trying to get people to uh, not express themselves and what their concerns might be. Guess what? They can't arrest everybody. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, it's but you know they could. Here's the thing: everybody's concerned. Well, they could arrest me, and when, if they do, look at the look at the havoc they've created in the lives of people on the January sixth thing. Okay, but that clown Mayorkas, who's who's director of Homeland Security. Yeah, and he is a clown, by the way. Yeah, um, he's he he posted that, and guess who hasn't been um, quote unquote arrested or whatever so far since he put that out? Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the one who's been touting every single minute of every day how the election was stolen. Yeah. Well, don't you think, I think the this is an effort, the effort right now in this January 6th commission, quote unquote, or subcommittee or whatever it is, special committee, is to uh, uh, somehow make it so that Donald Trump can't run for president. They're trying to frame him as kind of a traitor or trying to a uh, somebody who's an extremist and uh, try and disqualify him to run for president because they're so frightened. They understand they can't possibly stop stop the momentum behind this uh, "Make America Great Again" well, movement. Well, it, it's it it's just making people who supported Donald Trump and oh, by the way, that number is growing. Yep. Uh, just more determined to boot all these 
crazy people out of Congress. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi, they've got 44,000, I think, and I'm, I'm making that number up, but it's a huge amount of footage of, of film from January 6th, and she won't release that or any of her e emails, and she cited some... some uh, privilege like she's the queen or something All right no, I, don't know if, I don't know if you yes if you i saw, saw that. that i mean and this includes footage of uh the capitol police beating a woman to death uh near the capitol i mean there's atrocious crimes that have occurred and this is all a cover-up unfortunately it's it's all politics for the democrat at any cost well and and nancy pelosi has to be running around with her hair on fire right now anyway because guess who just um was talking about Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was shot in at the January 6th, Putin. He says, it looks like she was murdered. Of course. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she was. She was murdered. She well, was I know, but who's talking about it? Yeah. Putin. Yeah. Uh, well, he's talking about the lack of human rights in the United States, and I think there's some grounds for his comments. Unfortunately, we've created grounds uh, for those types of comments. It, it is uh, extremely unfortunate. And, by the way, Nancy P uh, Pelosi says that it's a good thing that we passed the stimulus bill because with all this spending, we're starting to reduce inflation. That's her point of view. That's her understanding they of economics. They think we're stupid. They do. They think we're stupid. And, oh, by the way, they gave themselves a 21% raise again. And so... Uh, Wait a minute. I didn't... Uh, yep, they... With this, with this last bill that they passed overnight to give billions of dollars. They to increased the uh, income, the salaries of Senate and and uh, congressmen by 21%? That's what the report I read said. My goodness. And they did it in the dark of night. Yeah. By the way, they're using, wake up America, they're using your tax dollars to enrich themselves. And At the expense of the American people, it'd be one thing if, right. if uh, Joe Biden were just scratching his head saying, you know, we got to take send, care of the me American send, people. What can we do about inflation? What can we do about energy prices? I have an idea. Why don't you send some of Hunter Biden's $31 million over, over yeah, there? It's, they're not, but that's not even the agenda. It's not even like they care about that. They, all they care about is winning the elections and using tax dollars in order all they, to— All they care about is power and money, and they don't—they yep. can go to—they don't care what ends they go to do it. And by the way, you mentioned— um, off air about that that documentary that we watched last night. That was, I mean, that was. A, I watched most of that um, Sunday while you were watching something else. But uh, I I rewatched it with you again last night, and it's even more stunning the second time. Yeah, I would encourage uh, if you haven't seen there. I think you could get it on uh, it's YouTube or, or no, you can't Rumble. Uh, by the way, as soon as it came out, yeah, YouTube censored it. They don't want you to see this. So. Run, do not walk to Rumble, Rumble. and you can, and you can uh, download it and watch it. It's called Ukraine on Fire, and it's a documentary by Oliver Stone. It's, it's nonpartisan. It's not pushing one uh, narrative or the other. It simply gives it says a, what happened. an informed background of exactly what's led us to the position we're in right now in, in Ukraine. And there's been a lot of malfeasance and a lot of corruption on, <laughs> I'm going to say, on the, uh, in Ukraine. So... But it's a very interesting background, and it really enriches the whole understanding of what's going on and why Putin is taking the position he is. I'm not justifying. Look, the guy's a murderer. He's a he's a, he's bad. He's bad. But uh, nevertheless, he you can uh, based on seeing what's what's uh, happened in this documentary, you can understand why he's taking the position. Let's see how many bad people can we count on two hands in this whole scenario. I mean, we've got <coughs> Biden, who was put in as as. The point man for for the Ukraine, Victoria Newland. Victoria Newland, who said, by the way, on, um, when asked on under oath whether there were bio labs, 
uh, in Ukraine, she could have easily said no. Yeah. But she admitted that they, we don't want them to fall in the Russians' hands. And then let's let's circle back to use, Jen Psaki won't use that anymore, but let's circle back to Mitt Romney for just a second. While he's calling people treasonous for calling out people who's, who mentioned biolabs in Ukraine, whose son is, is uh, knee-deep or neck-deep in, in um the what is it natural gas uh the burisma stuff in in ukraine but mitt romney's son yeah nothing to see here people nothing to see linda i always appreciate your commentary oh, we I'm always done. run out of time we i know have, we have so much to talk about i need i need a whole hour all right we'll <laughs> we'll do it sometime thank you so much for joining us Welcome. all right well that's a wrap here in today's show i hope you enjoyed it tomorrow we've got great guests including bob levy the chairman of the cato institute and andrew joppa professor and author of josephus of oz I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. 